You are listening to episode number 47 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. At the time of recording this, I have only been a parent for about four and a half years, so I am by no means a pro. I am very much in the rookie league over here, but if there is anything I've observed as a parent of three tiny humans, it is that holy cow, they ask questions all day, every day. And based on the gamut of questions my kids ask me, they pretty much must think I'm a genius, which I humbly appreciate, but I'm constantly having to correct. Their questions range from, who is that person driving that car over there and where are they going and what's their job? To, when we die, what will happen, mom? And of course, the ever popular, when can we have a snack, mom? And while it may seem in the moment that they are purposely trying to test the very minimal functioning brain cells that I currently have left in my postpartum state, that isn't why they spend 12 hours a day asking me questions. They ask questions because that's how we learn as humans. We start being scientists as preschoolers. My four-year-old and my three-year-old live their lives through making observations about the world around them, like, look at that tree. It's brown instead of green, mommy. And then asking questions about what they are observing, like, mommy, why is that tree brown? My little budding scientists then collect data from mainly one primary source at this time, which is me, and they learn and draw conclusions from that. They're learning because they're asking questions. And becoming a parent has really changed me in more ways than one. And if you've been here from the start of It's Not Rocket Science, then you know that it took us years of unexplained infertility to start our family. And so I do not take it for granted, but it has truly been a learning process. And it's changed the way I think about pretty much everything. And I know it has changed me as an educator. So much of what I do in my role as a parent really translates over to my role as a teacher. And just like I've seen in my children, I truly have come to believe that learning happens most naturally when our students are asking questions, but also when they make mistakes. So today on the podcast, we are going to talk about how to create a classroom culture that makes our students feel comfortable asking questions and making mistakes, because that's how learning happens best. Are you ready to hear more? Let's jump in. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I'm passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You're in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. A very, very brief side note, we are quickly approaching the 50th episode of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast, and I'm doing a special ask me anything sort of episode. So no topic is off limits. There are no rules here, but this is your last chance to send me any questions that you have because I'm planning to record this week. So if you have a question, pause right now and DM it to me on Instagram at its.not.rocket.science or shoot me an email to Rebecca at it'snotrocketscienceclassroom.com with the subject line question for episode 50, because I need to get all these questions in by Tuesday the 8th so that I can get this episode recorded and edited and out to you. Okay, now let's get back to talking more about how learning happens. Like I said at the start of this episode, I've just learned so much in my life through my two primary roles. 
one as a parent and two as an educator. And what I found is that what I'm learning in each of these roles is often impacting what I'm learning and doing in the other role. I've told my husband so many times that if I get to be back in the classroom full time one day, when I don't have three daycare age children, I will be such a different teacher. And I say that because of what I know now about being a parent and how that's changed me as an educator. And one of those things is how I think about learning and how it happens in my high school students, just like my preschool roommates. These favorite tiny humans of mine are like little sponges soaking up and learning a gajillion things an hour. And it's truly amazing to watch their brains work and process what they're seeing and what they're learning. And through observing them, I've really seen, again, that most of their learning is happening through asking questions and making mistakes. And I want to talk to you about that today because I believe this is what's going on with the students in our classrooms. So let's talk first about asking questions. We need to prioritize getting our students to ask questions because asking questions is foundational to thinking and acting like a scientist. It is in the very nature of our subject area that our students ask us questions. Asking questions also engages our students' minds in what they are learning. Think about the example I said at the start of the episode of the color of trees with my children. Could I have just spontaneously started explaining why some trees are brown to my kids while we drove to the grocery store? Absolutely. Could they have learned from me telling me that? Of course. But wasn't the learning so much more meaningful because my children were the curious initiators of the learning process? It's so easy as teachers to become the centers of our classrooms and the primary force and the solitary source of learning that's happening. But I believe so passionately that learning happens best when the student is at the center and the student becomes the primary force seeking many different sources to learn from. And this is why it's so important to get our students asking questions. Asking questions is really a requirement to move our students to the center of their learning and make them that primary force that's driving their learning. And I could go on a whole tangent about this. I have a lot to say about student-centered pedagogy, so much so that I did an entire month-long series on this back in July. So if you want to hear more about that, head to the show notes, and I have linked episodes 29 through 32 in there, all about student-centered pedagogy. But... At this point in the episode, I know you may be thinking, okay, yeah, 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 I get it, Rebecca. We need our students to ask questions. I want my students to ask questions, but they won't do it. How do I actually get them to do this? And this is where it all goes back to the classroom culture that you are creating. We have to create a culture in our classrooms that fosters question asking. Our students will never ask questions if they don't feel comfortable doing it. But unfortunately, we can't just completely change our classroom culture overnight because you start establishing a classroom culture, whether consciously or subconsciously, from the moment your students walk through your doors at the start of the school year. So to create a classroom culture that prioritizes asking questions, we need to focus on relationships, discussions, and relevancy. So first, our students need to see that we see them as a person apart from being a student. And this is something that I learned from my own high school chemistry teacher who I interviewed back in episode 35. So make this distinction. Start building a relationship with them as a person apart from them as a student from day one. This will help them to feel comfortable with you as a student when they know you care about them as a person. And if you're not sure where to get started in building relationships, I will link in the show notes a blog post I have about this. 
So we need to focus on relationships. We also need to focus on discussions. Our students need to see that discussions are an integral part of our classroom culture, that they will be expected to speak when they're in our classrooms, that we will have a running dialogue going with them and with us at all times. This is not a sit and get type of learning situation, but an engage, ask, and apply type of learning situation. They are expected to play an active role in their learning and not a passive one. And I have some more practical tips about engaging your students in discussions. And again, I'll link that blog post in the show notes. And lastly, our students need to see that what they are learning has meaning in their lives. When we make our content relevant to our students, they will naturally become more engaged in the learning process. And this will lead them to ask more questions. I don't care what science subject you teach, you can make it matter to your students and you must if you want to have a classroom culture that fosters asking questions because if they don't care enough about the content, they're not going to ask. And so you may be listening to this episode when it airs and at that point, it's going to be halfway through the school year. And so you might be thinking it's too late, but first let me say this. It is never too late to change up what you're doing in the classroom. The school year is never too far gone. It just may take more time and energy than if you had started doing this from day one. Because instead of creating a classroom culture from scratch, we're having to transform an existing classroom culture that's already been established. But it can be done. And I'm gonna end this episode with seven very quick, actionable, and practical tips to get you started ASAP. But before we get there, we need to also talk about the second way that learning happens, and that's through making mistakes. Maybe it's just me, but haven't you found that most of what you've learned in life has come through trial and error, from trying and then failing, from making mistakes and then learning from them? And if you've read my blog at all, you know I talk a lot about the mistakes I've made as a teacher. And I mean, honestly, basically, I've written an entire professional development course to help other secondary science teachers learn from my mistakes and work smarter and not harder. And so I clearly think it is good to try to help others learn from our mistakes by not making the same ones. But sometimes I really think that learning is just going to happen best when we do try something on our own and fail. And why do I think this? Because learning is all about growing and changing how we think. We can't stretch our students' thinking or their abilities to new depths unless there's a little bit of discomfort in there. I mean, seriously, think about the act of physically stretching. If you were to bend over and attempt to touch your toes right now, you'll most likely experience some sort of discomfort. And if you don't, you aren't technically stretching because you aren't really pushing past that point of comfort to discomfort where improvement and change and stretching in that muscle really happens. And it's the same for our students in terms of mentally stretching. Improvement and growth is going to come from that little extra reach out of their comfort zone. And getting them out of their comfort zones opens them up then though to potentially make those mistakes. And so this is going to require our students to attempt things that they don't know how will turn out. And many of our students don't want to do that. Trying something new and maybe making mistakes requires a sense of both humility and courage because we have to be willing to expose ourselves to potential failure. And y'all, this is hard to do, especially in our current society. Our students are terrified of failing, so they don't try. And honestly, I don't blame them. Y'all, can you imagine how different your childhood and your formative years would have been if there were constantly people surrounding you with cameras documenting every last mistake and potential embarrassment of your life? It is no wonder our students have such a hard time with this. 
But this is why we have to make it a priority as teachers to create a classroom culture where our students feel comfortable making mistakes because they don't really feel comfortable doing that in pretty much every other aspect of their lives. Okay, so how do we do this? Just like with getting our students to ask questions, if we want them to feel comfortable making mistakes, it starts with forming a relationship with them. They have to trust us first and foremost. And additionally, we have to make our own mistakes in front of them and show them that it's okay. We have to model humility for our students so that they can see that there's a difference between humility and humiliation. There's no need to be humiliated when you make a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. We're humans, we're not robots, and we need to model this for our students. When you forget to pass something back to them, own it. Be like, whoops, my bad, I didn't pass that back out. When you say something maybe a little too harshly that might have been hurtful and you didn't intend to, apologize. When you pull a resource off of Google search to use at the very last minute and it ends up kind of sucking, just tell your students you didn't make it. Be like, honestly, I was up all night with my newborn. I whipped this thing together this morning. This is not a lab that I made. That's why it's not that great. But We can still learn from it. And even when you maybe have a lab that you have designed from scratch and you know is amazing, but it totally bombs because you just forgot to check the expiration date on a chemical you used, tell your students. Then take advantage of the opportunity to lead them through a very thorough error analysis. Y'all, our students will never feel comfortable making mistakes if we don't feel comfortable making mistakes. You are a human being with real feelings who has a life outside of the classroom and you have your own issues you're working through just like I do. Take off your teacher mask and show your students your non-robot real human self too. Additionally, try to avoid punishment when students make mistakes. Give grace when you can and correct them always, but refrain from penalizing them if you are able. I know this isn't always possible. I mean, it's the same with parenting. Sometimes I do have to, you know, discipline them in those moments. But if you can, this is one way we can consistently change the way our students think about making mistakes to help them not be so afraid to do so. We want to build up students who are resilient, not tear down students and leave them feeling defeated. And I think this is the biggest cultural shift we are going to have to be fighting against when it comes to getting our students comfortable making mistakes. Our students have been conditioned to defeatism rather than to resiliency, and that's due to a bunch of sociological things I don't have the capacity to get into, or else this episode will be hours long. But essentially, a lot of our students are approaching new situations helplessly rather than with energy or excitement to try something new. And so to build resiliency, we need to support our students in their learning and stretching. We don't just drop kick them off the edge of a cliff and out of their comfort zone. Make small steps to push them little by little, but be beside them every step of the way. And when they inevitably fail in some capacity, support them in seeing how they can learn from their mistakes and try again. I can't help but think of the Daniel Tiger song that says, it's okay to make mistakes, try to fix them and learn from them too. I I will not sing it for you because I'm a terrible singer and I don't want you to turn off this podcast, but the lyrics are tried and true. I think back to how many times we sang that song when we taught my son to ride his bike at age three. And here's what we did. It may sound absurd we taught him to ride a bike at age three, but it wasn't just overnight. We didn't just throw him on a big boy bike and see what happened. He started riding one of those balance bikes at 18 months old, and he became an excellent person at balancing. I mean, he has insane balance. And then he learned how to pedal on a tricycle at around two years old. So then on his third birthday, he got his big boy bike and it came with training wheels first. 
and we walked alongside him and helped him put the balancing and the pedaling skills that he learned together into one. And then a few months later, we took off those training wheels again, but we were right beside him. It was a slow and gradual process. And when he messed up, we sang our little Daniel Tiger song and we walked through together what went wrong in order to learn from it. And this is what we need to do with our students. Don't just start with a big boy bike or even a bike with training wheels. Start even smaller. Go all the way back to that balance bike stage. Okay, now enough with the analogies to parenting. I know I'm driving some of you insane, but it just, there's too many similarities. I had to mention them all. Let's talk and end this episode with practical ways to get started changing your classroom culture to foster your students asking questions and making mistakes so that learning can best happen. And like I said, there are no quick fixes. You know, this is something that your classroom culture begins from day one, but I do have seven kind of action items for you that you can take and run with today if you want to start transitioning your classroom culture. So first, flat out tell your students that you want them to ask questions and make mistakes in your classroom and make it clear why, because this is how they're going to learn best. If they aren't asking questions and they aren't making mistakes, they really aren't learning and stretching themselves as students. I mean, honestly, you should put this in your syllabus so that from day one, they know at the start of the year that your job as their teacher is more about teaching them how to learn and how to think than it is about teaching them very specific science content. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is start building those relationships with your students if you haven't yet and let them know that you see them as both the student that they are but also the person that they are totally separate from that. Keep these distinct in terms of how you interact with them on a teacher-student level at times, but also on a human-human level at other times. The third thing I want to encourage you to do is model this. Some of the best parenting advice I ever heard was more is caught than taught. So I model for my students how I hope that they will behave and think. If I want them to be kind, I can't be rude. If I want them to be patient and not rush through things, I can't rush them through things. If I want them to ask questions, I need to ask questions. I need to verbalize my own curiosities. Asking questions requires an ounce of humility, like I said at the beginning. So show that to your students. Model what you hope to see in them yourself. If you want your students to be curious and engage in your content and ask questions, then you need to be curious and you need to engage and you need to ask questions. If you want your students put themselves out there and try new things and make mistakes that they learn from, then you need to put yourself out there and try new things in your classroom and humbly own when you fail and make mistakes and how you're going to learn from them. The fourth thing I want you to try is just be consistent. Consistency is everything. Make a point to ask each student a question in every class period if you can. And I know this is a lofty goal if you have like 25 plus students, but just make an effort and try to connect with each student every day in this way. And when you're asking a lot of questions, this kind of starts a running dialogue in your classroom between you and your students. And yes, it will make your classroom a lot noisier, but it will also foster deeper connections and comfort that will then lead to more question asking and learning. Okay, the fifth thing I want to challenge you to do is if you still feel like you are pulling teeth to get your students to even speak in your class, ask them why they won't ask you questions. I found out that my son T wasn't talking in his preschool class unless he was at lunch or recess. His teacher told me this. So after school, I asked him, I said, T, why don't you ever talk in school or ask questions or engage with your teacher at all? And I come to find out he just doesn't like having to raise his hand to talk. So he doesn't. And it could be as simple as that with your students. 
Maybe you need to eliminate the hand raising requirement to eliminate that barrier when it comes to your students asking content specific questions. Maybe not. We won't know what's holding them back unless we ask them. So if your students are not talking with you at all or asking questions at all, ask them why and see what they say. Okay, the sixth thing I want you to consider is prioritize error analysis and follow-up questions during your labs. I think, or at least I know, for me, I'm guilty of really focusing on the data collection and the graphing a ton. Like, I feel like I'm spending a lot of energy on lab day on those two parts of the lab. And I'm spending less energy the next day on following up and really analyzing what we saw and thinking through potential sources of error and thinking up follow-up questions that like the data that we collected led us to then ask XYZ. And so I want to encourage and challenge you, like I want to challenge myself to really prioritize that part of the lab more. And last but not least, this is the most fun. Celebrate when your students do ask questions and make mistakes. Like if someone does something wrong in a lab, be like, oh, yay, everyone stop and listen. This is a perfect time. Let's learn from this. This is what happened. What should we do instead next time? And celebrate that this is happening. So it becomes something that doesn't feel shameful because there's nothing to feel shame about when you make a mistake. So celebrate those things. Get excited when they ask you questions. Encourage them to ask you more questions. If they ask you a question, don't be like, we don't have time for that. Even if you don't have time, make time to encourage that culture in your students and in your classroom. All right, I know that was a lot, y'all, but I really sincerely hope that this episode has encouraged you to make some changes in your classroom so that you create a culture where your students are asking questions and making mistakes comfortably because I truly believe that is when learning is going to happen best. And if you are worried about this, let me be the first to tell you, you can do this. I believe in you. And guess what? If and when you mess all of this up, so what? You can learn from your mistakes, just like you were asking your students to do. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. You can find any and all links that I mentioned in the show notes at it's not rocket science classroom.com slash episode 47. And don't forget, this is your very last chance to get in your questions for our 50th episode of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. The theme is ask me anything. So you can literally ask me anything as long as you get your questions into me by Tuesday, November 8th. You can DM me on Instagram at It's Not Rocket Science, or you can email me at Rebecca at It's Not Rocket Science Classroom.com and just put in the subject line question for episode 50 so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle of all the other daily emails. I cannot wait to hear your questions. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to It's Not Rocket Science Classroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.